dismissed for junior church to head on downstairs. For the rest of you guys, if you would take your Bibles. Last week we started our first sermon on this sermon series called The Work of Resting. And we take it we took a look at the theology of rest, what the Bible teaches about rest all throughout scripture. We saw some of the principles. We saw that the Old Testament primarily used the word Sabbath for rest, that it was a command to the Israelites to physically rest after six days of working, and it was really meant to be done to practice this dependence on God. But when we get to the New Testament, we learn that Sabbath was just simply a shadow of something that was greater to come, to point Israel to a greater need. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 that the substance or the real thing about this rest is in Christ. Then we looked at Hebrews chapter 4 and we saw that the writer there says that we can have rest in God and cease from our works just as God did from his, but it's only found in Christ. So I left you with four things to challenge you in your thinking this last week that I hope you kind of had a chance to do. First off, I encourage you to recognize that you need more than just a simple day off. You need more than just a weekend. While those things are good and physical rest is good, you need much, much more. Taking a day off will not ease up the problems of the world. It will not ease up your stresses and problems in your life. You'll still find anxiousness carried throughout your week. A day off is simply not the answer to the problem of being tired or busy. The second thing is I encourage you to choose to enter into God's rest through Christ. And I hope that you've considered that if you have not made that choice already. The third one was I encouraged you to be satisfied in resting in God and in Christ and what he's done for us. Don't try to add on to things and say, hey, I just need a little bit more. And the last one was to make an effort or to choose to make an effort to rest, as you're going to find out today. Today we, we head into the second sermon called Training to Rest Well. We're going to be going through a number of different ideas uh, today. And we're going to be looking really at two major questions. What does rest teach us and how do we practice rest as Christians? I have a handout back there that if you didn't get one, that's okay. You could grab one on your way out. At the very top of it, I have just a little quote here that I found interesting. Scientists and medical professionals have long trouted the benefits of rest and sleep. People who study creation understand that there is a major importance to rest. And on your handout, you're going to see that they just quote simply two things. One, rest helps us not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. Because sleep-deprived people are not able to focus their attention on a task at hand. The second is that sleep itself plays a role in our consolidation of memory, which is essential for learning new information. In fact, when I was down at college in our psychology class at Lancaster Bible College, our professor highlighted this. There's a reason why colleges want to stress students to get more rest. Because the more you stay up, the more you work, the less you're able 
to really comprehend and learn. So the professor simply highlight it. Make sure that you get enough rest at night, that you're not burning the candle at both ends. What's funny is scientists are finding information out and saying, hey, these things are truths, but we already know this as Christians. We can find these lessons in Scripture. But the first thing that I really want to ask you guys today is this question. What keeps us from resting, or why is it that we find rest so difficult to do? I mean, let's just think about that for a minute. Why is it difficult to rest? First thing that might pop pop into your head is, man, there's just a lot on my plate right now. There's so much to do. There's just no way that I'll get it done. If I take a minute to rest, I will get even further behind. Maybe the second one is my schedule just won't allow that. I've got things planned out perfectly. That rest, just it doesn't fit into my schedule. There's just no way to do this. The third might just simply be that you're tired. And you don't even know how to. You're not sure really what to do to find rest. To be honest, we are busy creatures. As I said last week, uh, I think the commands in the Old Testament for Sabbath illustrates that we're commanded to work for six days. That's a part of who we are. God created Adam, placed him in the garden, and told him, tend it, keep it, work it. Work was a part of our design, but we were not created to work endlessly. We were created for this nice and beautiful rhythm of rest, of work and rest. And how do I know that? Because even in Genesis 2, God ends the first part of the creation account with this. He worked six days, and on the seventh, he rested from creation. And he rested from all that he had done in creation. He took a step back, time to enjoy it, to show what? It's not all about work, all about production, all about being busy. For Israel, you just think about this. They were coming out of the land of Egypt, which they were slaves in. They were forced to work continuously. When they get to Sinai, they hear the command, here is Here's something for you to consider. Work six days, but on the seventh, you're going to make a solemn rest to me, to the Lord, your God. We're going to see that God actually puts some things in there for them to remember him on. You see, our tendency is just to work and work and work, because why? In our sinful state, we we think we have to prove ourselves, to justify ourselves. And I like this quote that I came across this week in my reading as I got ready for this. The shortened version is up on the screen. I'm going to read a little bit of a longer version. This is by Justin Early, who wrote the book, The Common Rule. And he says this, There is more going on than just a body's need for rest. Our souls need rest too. But the rest that our soul needs is not just a simple nap. It's the rest that comes from realizing that we don't have to prove anything anymore. We don't have to prove that we're important. This is why we live in a culture that can't accept rest. We do not believe that work is from God. Work is something we pursue to become who we want to become. Our careers define us. And this is the American dream. We work our way to significance. That is why, or that, that is what we are doing when we prove our busyness to ourselves and to others. 
We're trying to show that we matter, that the world wants us, and that the world depends on us. But the gospel wants us to put that to rest. We don't have to work like that because Jesus has done the work for us, and he has finished it. The book of Hebrews tells us that God entered into his eternal rest, which is another way of saying that God entered into his full Sabbath because his work is done. This is because God has not only finished the work of creation, as what we saw in Genesis 2 last week, but now Jesus has finished the work of redemption too. It's a challenging and convicting passage or quote. Because honestly, I I could say in my life, I find myself trying to find significance in what I do. Not just as a pastor, but I remember even working in a restaurant, thinking back, I am too important for them to fire me. I do too much. We try to find significance in what we do, and that's a human tendency, or really it's a sinful tendency within us as humans, because we want to prove, well, maybe we just don't need God. But that is what rest is all about. It's actually saying to ourselves, no, I need to step back. I need to stop and pause because I do need God. Now, there's a number of things on your handout sheets. You'll see I have a little section there called benefits of rest. I'm I'm not going to focus too long on these today. Simply what I want to point out is we know that there's a number of benefits of rest. The first one is it helps recharge our energy. If you've done a long week's work, you know that you're just tired. Taking time to rest will give you the energy back that you need to get back on task. Rest will also help you refresh oneself. When people burn out, they realize that it's not just a physical tiredness. They're starting to lose who they are. Taking time to rest helps you refresh yourself. Three, it helps you rebound from stress. It helps you realize that stress is not all there is to life or that that the thing that's stressing you out is really probably not that important. It also helps us refocus our mind to say, okay, am I really doing what I've set out to do? How have I been doing? Which leads into number five, reflect on the past. It allows you to see what you've been doing and to honestly think about it Am I really living for Christ? Did I really put my hard work into this this last week or really ask the question, how did things go? Six, rest helps us regain our strength. If you've ever done a workout, you know what I'm talking about. At the end of a workout, and if, that, if it's intense, your muscles are tired. You really can't keep lifting those weights anymore because you've, you've put all of your strength into it. Weightlifters know that they need rest, time for their muscles to build back and to regain strength so that they can push them even harder next time. Rest gives us a chance to regain our strength. That may be physical, but it could also be mentally or spiritually or emotionally. Then the last one here is simply to restore joy. If you've done a service or a ministry for a long time and you started off with passion, but now you're finding yourself burning out, that you don't have the joy that you used to have. As a teacher, let's be fair, teaching kids can be draining. I have a passion to teach kids God's word. But yes, sometimes that joy can wave. Rest or taking rest can help restore that joy. 
It doesn't have to just disappear. If you have stopped finding joy in the things that you do or the ministries that you are serving in, you just might be too busy. You might need to rest. But that's not what we're going to focus on today. Those are the benefits. You can go and research those. You can look them up in your Bible. I think last week we proved some of those pretty well throughout Scripture. Today what I want to focus on are these two questions here. What does rest teach us, and how do we practice rest as Christians? So I am going to fly through this first one. What does rest teach us? Because it is a little bit of a rehash of last week. But these are principles for us to remember that when we're in a state of rest, this is what we can learn from it. So the first couple here is this one. Rest teaches us that we are created with limits. Rest teaches us that we are created with limits. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus was talking about being anxious for food or drink or clothing. He says, don't, don't do that. But then he asks a rhetorical question. Which one of you, being anxious, can even add a single hour to his lifespan of life? No one can. We're not in control of that. We are limited. We are created beings. We're not meant to keep doing everything and to provide for ourselves. We are meant to depend on our creator. Psalms 127.2 simply says it this way. It is in vain that you rise up early and go, to, go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he, God, gives his beloved sleep. If you look at verse 1, it will even make it even clearer. He simply says this. It's vain to work apart from God, because without God, this life is in vain. But with God, there's purpose. But David simply proves in verse 2, look, you can work all day long, but it'll be for naught unless you focus on God. There's other key things that we learn about limitation. We know that we don't know it all. Our knowledge is limited. We know our lifespan is limited. We don't live forever. Our physical strength is limited. We can't do it all. We sometimes have to ask for help. How about emotional capability? We can't keep relationships the way we would desire them to. Sometimes we just bend and break on people because of the emotional toll. How about spiritual virtue? We're limited in that. Because first off, we don't even have spiritual virtue. We're in sin. Apart from God, we're nothing. We're limited there. We can't fix our problems. And finally, it shows us that we have, an, we have a limit to provide for ourselves, that we can't make all our ends meet. It teaches us that we are limited and that we need to go to our creator and depend on him. The second thing is that rest teaches us to remember God and his work in our lives. One of the best quotes I found this last week was this, we forget when we forget to rest. Because why? We become so busy that things start jumping out of our mind and we don't recall these things. It's why all throughout the Old Testament, you'll see that on the Sabbath commands, let's go to Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15, just think there. Simply reads this, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh it's a day of rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, your sons, your daughters, your male servant, your female servant, your ox, your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gate, that your male servant, your female servant, may rest 
as well as you. Now, that we've seen that command, but then he adds on this. You shall remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath day. It was a chance to recall what God had done for the people of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 20, 12 through 21, we're going to look at this next week when we talk about rest from distractions. But in Ezekiel chapter 20, Israel was commanded to rest so that they could remember the relationship that they had with their God and that it's him who sanctifies them, that it's his work in their life that matters, not their work. It simply says this, I gave them my statutes and made known to them my rules by which if a person does them, he shall live. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me. They did not walk in my statutes, but rejected my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. And my Sabbaths they greatly profaned. They went after the idols of their father. In fact, I think we see this as a clearer picture in Judges. You can see the downward spiral all throughout Judges. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and serve the Baals and the Ashtaroths. They were too busy doing something else. And when they forgot to rest, they forgot who God was. The next thing that rest teaches us is that it's more than just our bodies that need it. If you've ever taken a break, you know that your body definitely feels it, but at one point or another, you're going to feel it internally. Your mental state is clogged or, or just completely messed up. You're just not thinking right. Maybe you're just saying, man, I feel drained inside. Maybe not physically, but emotionally or mentally. We see this all throughout Scripture. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, when Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He's kind of illustrating, or, or sorry, alluding to a physical rest. The people were weighed down with these burdens. Then he says, no, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart you will find rest for your souls. Your souls. Jesus even points out there's something more internal about this. Rest isn't just about physical rest. There's something internally that you need, too. And he says it's rest for your souls, but it's only found in him. We don't just see it in the New Testament. We see it in the Old Testament. David understood this. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. He says in Psalm 62, 1, For God alone my soul waits in silence or rest or relief. For from him comes my salvation. David knew who to cling to, who to go to, to find rest. When his soul was troubled, if you read the Psalms, you know David was in that state quite a bit. His enemies always surrounding him, chasing him, trying to kill him, plotting against him. His own family doing a lot of that too. Inwardly, he was distraught, and he knew who to go to to find rest. Next, we know that rest teaches us to reflect on our work. There's two illustrations of this. One, let's go to Genesis chapter 2. There's a reason why God rests at the end of creation account. He doesn't rest at the beginning. He doesn't rest at the middle or two-thirds of the way full through and say, hey, I created land, I created sea, moon, stars. They look good. You know, I'm going to stop there for right now. 
and then I'll pick it back up. No, he completes his creation to which he says it's very good, and then it says, no, he rested from creation. He got to enjoy his work and reflect on it and allow his work to give him glory. But what's interesting is in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, this is a fun story. The disciples go out, they perform miracles, they teach about the coming kingdom of God, they come back to Jesus after a long time away and simply start telling them about everything that they've seen and that they've heard. And Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate or a desert place and rest a while. Because there were many coming and going, and the disciples had no leisure time to even eat. And so Jesus gives them time, carves out time for them to reflect on what God's been doing through them, their ministry, but then he also says, no, no, you also need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself in the midst of all of this. Let's find some time to eat. Jesus does this multiple times where he'll perform miracles and then leave town to go out to a desert or desolate place by himself to pray and to be with God. And there's no doubt in my mind that during that time, he thanks God for the ministries that he was able to do. But rest also helps teach us to see the bigger picture of things, to work that there is. Again, Exodus 31, 13 speaks again that, that this Sabbath, this rest for Israel was so that they would understand this relationship and that it was God who sanctified them. God was doing the bigger work. We looked at Leviticus chapter 23 last week where we simply saw that God on the Day of Atonement commanded Israel, stop, afflict yourselves so that you know you're not the ones working your salvation, that you're working to pay off your sins because guess what? You can't do that. It was a literal day, a physical way of showing that they could not earn the forgiveness, the salvation that they desperately needed from their sins. But what's interesting is we also see it in Revelation 14, 13. Last book of the Bible, going, going through it this uh, last month with the kids has been fun. But I came across this verse, and it was rather interesting because it uses this same concept from Hebrews, this rest that we can have. I heard a voice in heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. It gives us a chance to reflect on what are we doing for Christ and what really matters in this life. For many people, you see it on TV, usually when they're trying to show people going through depression, they realize their work, they just feel like it doesn't matter, that they're making a difference. For us as Christians, we have this bigger picture that we know when we live for God, we are making a difference. Rest gives us a chance to look back and ask, am I really doing that? Rest also teaches us about who rules. Exodus chapter 20, God commands Israel to rest, and he says, here's the reason for your rest, because I worked six days and rested on the seventh, you'll do the same thing. It's following the example of our creator. But then in Exodus 31, 15, what's interesting is then God sets some consequences of not following rest. Six days you shall work, and work shall be done. But the seventh day is a rest or a Sabbath to the Holy Lord. For whoever does any work on the day of rest shall be put to death. God was trying to teach the people who's really in charge here. Who's really ruling your life? 
endless work teaches us that we rule our life, where times of rest teaches us, no, we have a job to do, but honestly, we depend on God. Rest also teaches us that God is in control. This is a little bit different than that last one. I find this verse very helpful when I think about this. Psalms 46.10, David writes, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. God requests David just to simply stop, be still, and know who's in charge, who's really in control, who the earth will sing praises about. It's not you, it's me. But then Psalms 23 also reflects this. The Lord is my shepherd. I will want nothing. He leads me. He makes me lie down. He restores my soul. He leads me through the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Who is guiding? Who is in control? God. Biblical rest helps us to remember God is in control. And finally, rest teaches us who rescues. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, I think, paints this beautifully. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. This is not of your own work. This is a gift of God. So notice here, we don't have any part of this. God's done it all. Rest helps us to remember we do not work for our salvation. It's been given to us freely, and we can appreciate that fact. Now, those are the simple things of what rest teaches us. So when we stop to rest, these are the things that we're going to reflect on. That'll settle into our hearts and into our minds. But I'm sure for many of you guys, you're wondering, okay, well, how do we rest? Is this even really important that I rest? You'll hear this. Um, well, let's, let's move on, just because of time. How can we practice rest as Christians? It's a good question. I need to make some clarifying statements first, though. This is extremely subjective. Because what's interesting about this is, in the past, it's been commanded for Israel. For Christians, we get to experience the reality of rest through Jesus Christ. We get to apply rest in a very broad, broad way. But what we do need to understand is that the rest that we as Christians need to practice and experience is not just limited to our physical being or our physical body. It's something that needs to encompass our body, our mind, our emotion, and our spiritual life or our soul. So when you go through these things, I want you to think about and have this question in mind, how is it that I am going to practice rest physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally? If you're a parent, I want to make this a clarifying statement. If you truly think that this is important for your family, talk to your spouse about why God is laying this on your heart. Talk about it. Figure out how you're going to work it as a family, and please explain this to your kids before jumping into anything. Your kids need to understand that they, too, even though that they have more energy than anyone else in the world, need rest. Just like my illustration last week, V, being a four-year-old, doesn't think he needs rest. But it's very evident to us as a parent, no, he does. Parents, we have the responsibility of teaching our kids how to rest well. 
Next, I just want to highlight that rest is the spiritual practice or spiritual principle we're seeking to live out in our lives to remind us that God provides for us and that God is in control. Things will change in your life, so you're going to need to review and reflect upon what you're doing to practice rest, and you might have to change some things. But please understand, don't bend them per- permanently. This one quote I thought was rather interesting was he, someone compared rest to like a plank of wood. You could bend it for a time. You could make some exceptions because, hey, yes, maybe your job does need some extra work hours into it, and you're not able to give as much rest or time to rest as you would like. He says that's a flexible thing. But don't let that just be a permanent thing. Don't continue to flex, because if you continue to flex, you're going to warp the wood. Paul, as I told him that quote, he goes, no, you'll break the wood. And I think that's a really good image. You'll start to think, well, why do I even need rest again? It didn't work out. I tried it. I'm not going back to it. Be flexible. Be ready to change. These aren't hard and fast rules that you have to hold to all of your life. These are things that you can morph to each different season of life. So with that in mind, the first thing that I want to highlight for how can we practice rest is what I think is a very biblical practice is that we need to carve out time. I'm going to skip that and go straight to this. To carve out time. In the Old Testament, God commanded Israel to take days, to take holidays, in fact, even to take years off from work and labor and trying to produce and achieve for themselves. For us, I think there's a variety of things that we can practice. The first one I call is a moment of rest. This is a daily thing. If you have a daily quiet time, you most likely experience this. But please understand that one period of rest does not limit you. You don't have to say, well, I rested this morning. I got up. I did my quiet time. I felt like I connected with God. That's it. The rest of the day, I can keep going. Sometimes maybe you just need to take a few minutes throughout the day to stop, to reconnect with God, and to focus back on him. One pastor uh, in, in one of the books simply said this, that in between each of his appointments, he found himself to get busier and busier. He made his secretary schedule for him five to ten minutes before each appointment so that he could pray and talk with God and get connected because he found himself just going from one thing to the next to the next, and he started to forget. For me, it's coming up here at 7 o'clock to sit in my car for a half hour, to simply pray, to read, to sit peaceably and quietly before God, before my busy day starts here. Other days, for you guys, it could be at work. Just finding that quick five minutes at lunchtime to be by yourself, to connect with God, to take a couple deep breaths and to remember work is not all that there is. That there's something bigger. The second thing I call is rhythm of rest. A rhythm. This is where I get this example from. Genesis chapter 2. God worked six days and rested on the seventh. I'm not saying you have to do this, but a rhythm of rest I think is something built into us. That we need periods of rest regularly. And this is why it's called a rhythm. Guys, six days gives us a lot of time to focus on work, to achieve, to do what we need to do to provide for our families. But God sets this example. He creates in six days, not one day, not four days, but six, 
and sets one day aside to step back from creating and to be done. For us, maybe we just need to step back from our busyness of life, from our work, to slow down, to stop, and to solely focus on him and to give him time. If you remember our definition last week of rest, it's to pull or to stop away from our hardships or our labors, to give purposeful and intentional time to God. Many of you do that coming here. That's good. But this should not be your only period of rest throughout the week. Regular rhythms of rest. You might get off beat. You might have to say, well, we might have to skip just because of something going on this week. Okay, but go back to it. Don't let that be your default. The next one is seasons of rest. There might be time where you give your time and your energy to something extra. But there might be time where you need to pull away from that for a bit to say, you know what? We need to pull out so that I can find rest for a bit, so that we can jump back into this thing full strength. For teachers, you understand this because you don't work 12 months a year. If you did, you would burn out a whole lot quicker than you already are. Teachers work nine months a year with the kids, five days a week. Kids, you understand this. You go through school. College students, you understand this. There's a lot of demands on your life. There's so much you want to do. But maybe there's just times in your life where you need to say, I'm going to back out of some extra things so that I can focus on my relationship with God. But I will come back to him. Mark Galley, I like this quote from him. The strength of the evangelical movement is our activism. But the weakness of our evangelical movement is our activism. We've produced a genuine and needed change in societies over years, but the problem is because we just keep going and keep going and keep going, we don't foster attitudes that are sustainable or changes that are sustainable because we burn out and our leaders drop out. In fact, for, for many of us, we have to ask ourselves about our church and Christian culture. Do we have times of rest in our way that we worship? Do we find it hard to sustain ministries that we start up? Why is that? Because maybe we're not taking breaks or finding rest like we need to. Maybe we're burning our volunteers, our workers, our teachers, our pastors out. These are just seasons of rest. The last one is periodic rest. This is something you all get. These are vacations. These are more infrequent, but they're getaways. A chance to break away from work, to break away from your house, from the needs of your house, to just get away and spend time with your family. But there's others that come up too. Think about it. Men's retreats, women's retreats, where you get to solely focus on your relationship with God. Marriage retreats, like the weekend to remember. There's a reason why I'm highlighting it, because sometimes we just need to stop so we can focus on our marriage and see if we're really connecting with Christ. But carving out time is possibly the hardest thing you're going to do to practice rest in your spiritual walk with Christ. To give up time to rest means that we have to give up something else where we could be doing something. In fact, last week I was trying to practice this. My Mondays tend to be my day of rest just to slow down. But I found myself at 6 o'clock saying to myself, I need to get up and do something. I need to clean, I need to fix something, I need to go do something. The tendency in our human emotion and sinful emotion is to resist this rest. To say, you know what, no, 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 I'm practicing this to remember God's in control. 
that God's providing for me, that his work, he's doing the work behind the scenes. I get to participate in the work, but the work doesn't revolve around me. So how do we practice rest? This is where we're going to end. There's a number of different things. I have these on your sheets as well. The first thing I want to highlight is simply what I call the doing and not doing strategy. This is taken from one of my books, and I thought this was very helpful. The idea is to, on, if you're going to schedule time for rest, here's what you want to think about going into it. What are three things that you're going to try to avoid that will literally drain you or take away from you purposefully resting? And what are three things that you're going to do to help you rest? Here's a number of things that you can do. First one is sleep. As I started this sermon, I said the scientists haven't even figured this out. Sleep is important. I'm going to encourage you, getting proper sleep going into a time of rest is just as important. It'll help you focus on the task that you're trying to live out. But yes, also sleep and naps are important because our physical rest is important to God as well. He created us with limits. We are to take care of ourselves. Sometimes taking a nap is just that. The next one, read your Bible or maybe just a book. Expand your mind. Get into God's word just a little bit more. Connect with him. Prayer. On your day of rest, pray. Communicate with God more than you usually do. Journal. I know many of you guys probably aren't journalers. I'm not. I kind of hate journaling. But I will tell you what. In times of rest, journaling can be very helpful because it will let you start to see where you are at. And when you come back to it the next time, you get to see where God is taking you from and where you're at currently. It's helpful to reflect on God's work. Singing. Many of you guys are probably going to laugh at that one because you're not singers, but that's okay. Some of you will find singing relaxing and praising God relaxing. Reflecting on your life and your spiritual walk with Christ. Take time to do that. Give yourself time to breathe, to think about really, how am I doing? The next one, re recreate and play. Go have fun. Wrestle with your kids if you have kids. If you're a single guy, girl, go do something fun, something that you don't normally do. Bike ride, hike, go to the park, go to a zoo, hang out with friends, all right? Those aren't bad things. Next one, eat. And notice that there's some words after that. Enjoy it. How many of you guys feel like you rush through meals? I know I do that. I scarf my food down because I just feel like there's something else I got to get to. In your times of rest, slow down. Enjoy your food. I'm always reminded, taste and see that the Lord is good. God's created our taste buds. He's created food for us to enjoy. We can slow down and we can experience that. The next one, fellowship with others, which also leads into family meals. Guys, I know you're busy and your families may be going every other direction except for coming together. Then times of rest is needed for you where you can say, no, no, no. Sorry, guys, we are carving out time so that we can be together as a family and experience rest together as a family. Because parents, I guarantee you, you feel the burnout once your kids start getting into activities and hobbies and ball games or they go over to friends' houses. You get so involved with things, which don't get me wrong, those aren't bad things, but maybe there's just time where you need to say, no, this is what we need for our family. The next one, solitude. Hunters get this one. 
There's nothing like going out to your deer stand and being by yourself for a bit. Solitude usually comes with also silence. Sometimes you just need to get away from people. Sometimes you just need to get away from your job. Sometimes you just need to be by yourself so you can rest and think. I'm going to encourage you that if you're a parent, take turns doing this. Because the demands of parenting are heavy. But the father should not just take solitude for the health of his family, but the mother too as well. The next one, explore. Go explore God's creation. See what he's done. See what he's made. See what's around you. The next one after that, fast from something that drains you. Get away from it. We're going to hammer that next week. Fast from your distractions, the things that take you away from true, real rest. The next one, slow down. Don't rush through things. Make the time easy and light and not packed full or busy. Have a few things scheduled, but don't rush into them. Next one, hobby or learn. Do something new. Do something that you enjoy, something that you're just like, you know what, God's given me this skill, this ability. I get to do this for fun. It's not a bad way to rest. Next one, enjoy creation. There's nothing like going out and experience what God's created. It goes along with explore, but one thing I know for our family, we love going to the zoo to see the unique animals and how they're created. And the last one, married couples, I want to I wanna highlight this one to you, is the physical intimacy as well as the emotional intimacy together. Sometimes you guys just need to connect. That's not just physically, but I think physical is a big part of this. But it's also emotionally and mentally and spiritually. Pray for one another. Be with one another. Jobs, if you're both working full-time jobs, you're going in different directions. You're apart for most of the day. If you have kids, you're even further apart sometimes. But I guarantee you, if you focus and take time to rest and to focus on your marriage as well as your marriage's relationship with Christ, God will bless that time. Now, here's one final caveat I'm going to leave you with is what to do in preparation with this. Get your work done in your in a good amount of time before you enter into rest, before you practice this. That way things aren't hanging over you. That way you're not distracted about what you need to do the next day or the next time you go back into work that, or about the email I have to send out or who I have to text. Those take you away from focusing on God. Don't get distracted. Get your work done. Don't be lazy, all right? Let people know that you're going to be away for that time. If, you, if you're going to set this up as a family, say, hey, this is our family time. Please let your friends know. We'll make exceptions, but we really want to focus on this as a family together. And the last one is plan ahead with your spouse. Plan ahead with your spouse. Talk to each other about what you're going to do, all right? So the last thing, rest is meant to draw you closer to God, and it's a practice of our faith that he will provide and he's in control. So I simply want to leave you with this. Will you practice what your faith says and defines about rest? Are you going to trust God so much so that it will shape your life, your schedule, and your work patterns? I want to encourage you to choose today how you might just practice one principle of rest this week. Let's close in a word of prayer.